Good morning. We're so glad that you could be with us this morning and to worship with us here at Lake Point Church in Shelby Township, Michigan. My name is Pastor Scott, and uh, I'm so glad that you're with us. And I uh, just want to take a quick minute uh, to say a couple things here before we dive into our message today. Um, if this is your first time with us, we'd love to connect with you. And, and the best way to do that is to text the word connect to this number, and you'll get a link. And uh, you can put out that little connection card. And uh, once you submit that, we get to know who you are and who's watching. I would like to uh, thank you for joining us today by way of uh, YouTube or Facebook Live. Also, um, if you'd like to get the note, the handout note for this message, it's the same number. Uh, you can type the word uh, handout. Just type the word handout, and and uh, we'll, you'll get a link for the message for that. So, uh, and uh, let me just say this before we dive into this. Um, we, we have been uh, doing live services online for the last, um, I don't know, about six weeks now. And uh, I just want to say thank you for all the encouragement. Um, thank you for a lot of the words of encouragement, not just to me, to, to Pastor Tom, uh, leading worship. It, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to preach to a camera. Um, or it's not easy to just sing worship um, to a camera with nobody in the room. And that's been a real challenge for us. But, but, you know, the way you guys have been commenting, especially on Facebook Live, you know, you guys have been commenting, and, uh, and, and so much so much is happening, and all the hearts and the thumbs up. That's really encouraging to me, and I know that's encouraging to uh, Pastor Tom as well. And uh, so, yeah, keep doing that, and, uh, and thank you. Thank you for, the, uh, for your kindness and your words. Some of you have messaged us, text messaged us, some of you send us cards, and, uh, and it's just so sweet and so thankful for that. And, and here's the thing, we, we, uh, we're, we're just glad that we have the technology, right, to, to do this. But we, we really do miss you. We, we really miss being in the room, and, um, and I can't wait uh, for that to happen again. It will. We don't know when, but we know it will. And when it does, it can be a, a, a sweet, sweet time together again. And so, but thank you for being here. Uh, we're in a series called Stuck, Stuck. And, and we're answering the question, you know, what to do, or what do you do when there's nothing that you can do? What do you do when you're stuck? And uh, when you find yourself in a set of circumstances and, or a situation, and you don't know what you can do, you're, you feel stuck. What do you do in that situation? I know I've told this story before, um, but there was a situation um, when I was a, uh, a young college kid in Florida, in Pensacola, Florida, and me and my buddies on a Friday night, we always go out to a good old fashioned barbecue restaurant. And I remember going out and, and, uh, and, and eating at this great new restaurant, um, had, a, uh, had a rib special, baby back ribs and um, barbecue ribs. And I think it was like, all oh, you can eat ribs. And I was like, hey, that's where we're going. And I, if you know me, I love, I love my barbecue. And uh, so, uh, in fact, we talked about barbecue last Sunday, right? We talked about Bad Brad's barbecue. And, oh, man, I missed barbecue. And, and, and this was one of those days where we went and, and had, a, had a, a slab of ribs. And uh, we just had a great time eating. And I was in the middle of chewing a delicious portion of, of rib. 
And, and while I was swallowing, one of my friends was telling a story, and, and there was kind of like the punchline to the story, and it was a kind of a funny moment, I, and I started laughing. And when I started laughing, that piece of meat that was going down my throat came back up and got stuck right in my throat. And, and so here I am, I'm laughing, and, and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm crying because now I, I, I can't breathe. And, and so I'm laughing, I'm crying, and I'm dying all at the same time. I mean, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? And I was in that moment, and, and my friends that were laughing, they had no idea that I was choking. You know, I got this meat, and, 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 I, and, and I, I did the universal sign. I had to put my hand up to my throat. And while they were laughing, they're like, oh, no, you know, something's happening. And so, you know, I got up, and I, I'm like, someone's got to do the Heimlich on me. You know, someone's got to get this thing that's stuck in my, my throat and got to get this thing out. And, and, uh, and so my friend, he got around and, uh, and, and he, and I see him, he hugged, he kind of hugged me from behind. There was no social distancing at all. I mean, he's right there. And um, he's giving me a nice, about to give me a nice squeeze. And then he, he let go. And I said, where are you going? You know, and I, didn't, I couldn't say that, but I'm thinking, what are you doing? You know, I, I, what is happening? I am stuck. And you ran away. And he ran to another room in the restaurant because he saw some police officers. And he shot at them and said, my friend is choking. And, and those two you know, uh, police officers, they jumped out of their chair. They ran over to where I was. And, of course, they gave me the Heimlich. They knew what they were doing. And, uh, and sure enough, that piece of meat, just kind of went right back up, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm teary-eyed, I'm crying, I'm, I'm still kind of laughing, you know, but I'm still laughing at the story, and, uh, and, 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 and it went right back in my mouth, and here's what I knew what I could do, you know, you know, you're stuck, what can you do? Well, I chew up what was left of that, and then swallow it back down again, because I couldn't waste a good piece of meat, and then I look at the police officer, at the police officer, Thank you, but that was delicious, and, and that was great. He laughing, and the police officer laughing. I'm kind of laughing, but my three friends at the table, they weren't laughing. They were freak out, being stuck. They didn't know what to do, and I think a lot of us, you know, we get in that moment. We just don't know what to do. We get paralyzed. We're stuck. You know, what to do when there's nothing that you can do, what, what to do when you don't know what to do. And, and that's what we're talking about in the life of Daniel. Last week we looked at chapter one, how we look at Daniel in a dining room. We'll talk about what that means and how, what he did in that moment because he was stuck in captivity. But there were some things that he did. And I hope that you watched last week and get caught up because we're going to continue this idea of Daniel. Although he was stuck in a bad situation, he didn't allow the situation to, de to, to determine the direction of his life. And we said last week, the decision that you make today will determine the story you'll tell tomorrow. And so the, the decision you make today right now, even if in this moment, whatever stuck situation you might, might be in, whatever decision you make today determines the story you'll tell tomorrow. Now today, we're going to be looking at a dream 
that happened 2,600 years ago by a king. And we're going to walk through the text, and, and then I'm going to kind of break it down, add some commentary. We're going to look at the very first 30 verses, and then we're going to come back to the end of this. And I'm going to give you five quick thoughts here about, uh, about how we can apply it to our lives in this stuck situation, whatever that might be for you and for me. So let's look at verse number one, Daniel chapter two. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dream that he couldn't, that he couldn't sleep. Now let's talk about Nebuchadnezzar for just a minute here because it's so important. We're, we're going to be talking about him in the week to come and, and who he is, but Nebuchadnezzar is the most powerful man in the world. He is the king of Babylon, and in fact, he is the first leader to ever conquer the entire world, uh, world civilization at this point. And his civilization, his uh, empire expanded to where today, Italy, all the way around into the Middle East and Israel and all of where Iraq is, and, and then all the way into the, nor the northern part of Egypt. And that was his empire. And, and so Nebuchadnezzar, he's a powerful, powerful person. He built a beautiful city called the ancient city of Babylon, which is about 40 miles from where Baghdad is today. He built uh, one of the uh, ancient, or one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, which is the Hanging Garden of Babylon. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he's a powerful, powerful person. In fact, the most powerful man ever happened in this world, and uh, one of the most powerful leaders of all time. In verse number two, he called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and then demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. And as they stood before the king, she said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. And so the astrologer, they answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. Tell us the dream, uh, or we'll tell you what it means. Now, now, who are these guys? Well, these guys, they were the wise men. They were, they were the sorcerers, they were astrologers. These guys tried to read the stars, to try to tell people their future. It's very similar to what happens today. We have astrologers, they look into the stars, they try to read people's future. These guys were highly, educated advisors using questionable means. In fact, they had a bunch of books in Babylonian culture, and they, they were code books. And, and, and if they could hear parts of the dream, they would open up the code book. They would go to the libraries and open up the code book and try to figure out what the interpretation of that said dream. And that's how these guys would operate. But we see a real problem, a dilemma, in verse number five. He said, but the king, he said to the astrologers, now, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb, and, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. And he said, you got to tell me. Verse number six, he said, you got to tell me what I dream and what the dreams mean. And if you do that, I will give you many Wonderful gifts, and I'll honor you. Just tell me the dream and what it means. And, and, and in other words, he said, guys, if you're so special, if you're so amazing, I, I want you to tell me the dream and then tell me what it means. And I think Nebuchadnezzar begins to, 
the, the such fact that these astrologers weren't really all that wise, all that special. So he's like, you're going to tell me what I dream and then what it means in verse number seven. They said, please, your majesty, tell us the dream. I, I, I will tell you what it means. And the king replies, I, I know what you're doing. You know, you can't pull a fast one here. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. You know that I'm, I'm all about this. So you, have, so you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I'll change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you're for real. And I'll know that you can tell me what it means, verse 10. And the astrologers replied to the king, it, it, it's crazy. The astrologers, they, don't, they, they, they believe in uh, telling false lies, and they don't have a lot of truth to them. But here's one thing they didn't know, and one thing that was true, is that no one on earth can tell the king his dream. I mean, that's absolutely right. The astrologers said that to the king. And, and no king, however great, however powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician enchanter or astrologer. I mean, they're saying, come on, king, you, you got to play fair. I mean, this is, this is totally not fair for us. Tell us, tell us the, the dream. And we'll tell you what it means. Verse number 11. And the king demand is impossible. No one except the gods. Notice it. Lowercase. Lowercase gods. Small case god can tell you your dream. And they do not live here among the people. Back in Babylonian culture, they worship gods, small, lowercase g. By the way, not just one god, but plural, multiple gods. This is called polytheism, where the worship of many gods. Now, in our belief, we believe in the one true God, and that we believe in mono, monotheism. And so, but these gods were just impersonal impersonal beings, impersonal force that had no personal relationship with people. Uh, aren't you glad that we have a God who's personal with us, who's intimate, who knows us, who loves us, who wants to help us? Aren't we glad we have a God, the God, the one true God that can do that in our lives? And although the astrologers were faith, they knew in verse number 10, hey, no man can do this. No man. I mean, their God don't have anything to do with, their, with, with, their, with man, but our God has everything to do with us. So we're going to see that look in verse number 12. Uh, and the king was furious. He was so angry uh, when he heard this. And he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed, verse 13. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill, uh-oh, Daniel and his friends. I mean, why them? Because Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had grew up in the King's College. They went into, they were a part of that, you know, Daniel chapter one, that three-year training, and they kind of graduated as wise men. Now you gotta remember, Daniel and his three buddies, they're still pretty young. They're probably about 19, 20, maybe 21 years old at this point. And so these, you know, Daniel and, and, and his three friends, they're part of this group. 
Look at, let's see what happened in verse number 14. When Ariot, the commander of the king's guard, when he came to kill them, I mean, he's there with, with knife in hand, you know, or whatever they had, you know, to, when he came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. We might call the word discretion tact. Daniel had both wisdom, he had tact. And by the way, when we talk to people, we ought to have wisdom, we ought to strive to have tact, discretion. There's a difference. Wisdom, if you're taking notes, wisdom is, is the ability to say the right thing. Wisdom is the ability to say the right thing. And, and Daniel could say the right thing. By the way, sometimes people are right. You know, you know what I'm talking about? People are right, and, and they have the right information. They're right. They know they're right. They, they're always right, and they want to tell everybody how right they are. You know anybody like that? Yeah. Well, they're right all the time. All right? But, but tact. Tact is the ability to say it the right way. It's one thing to have wisdom and know how to say, it the, right, to say the right thing, but to have discretion, to have tact, to say it in the right way. And, and, and Daniel, he was gifted with both. And we see this in verse 15. He, he said, why had the king issued such a harsh decree? And so he told him that all that happened. So Daniel went at once to see the king. And he requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. And then Daniel went home and told his friend, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's Shadrach, that's Meshach, that's Abednego. And he told them all that happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so that they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. So what did, what did these guys do? They, they prayed. They prayed. And that's what we're going to talk about. One of the things we're going to talk about is that when we're faced with problems, that we should pray. And look at verse 19. And so that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And Daniel prayed the God of heaven. I mean, this is so cool. He said, what we see here in the next few verses is at, you know, that God had answered the prayers. And when we see Daniel come out with a, something that we would read in the book of Psalms. He started worshiping. He started praising God in spontaneous, enthusiastic praise. And, and so in verse 20, he said, praise the name of God forever and ever. By the way, you know what praise means? Praise means bragging on God. You know, when you're describing the greatness of God, and that's what he's doing, he's praising him. He said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, acknowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. 
you have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. I mean, David, I mean, David gets very personal with God. He gets personal with him. And, 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 and this whole thing right here, he said, man, God, my prayers had been answered. My prayer had been answered. And here's what's crazy, that the prayer has not yet been validated. It's not been validated. He's not gone yet to, to see the evidence if God had actually answered his prayers. He's not seen Nebuchadnezzar. So when he does do that, he's going to go to Nebuchadnezzar and say, here's the dream and here's the interpretation. Am I right? And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar going to say, yeah, but that hadn't happened yet. And, and so here's what's taking place. Daniel was acting on faith when he was praising the Lord for the answer to his prayers. He hadn't seen the evidence of it. He's acting on faith. Look at verse 24. And so Daniel, he goes, to see Arias, you know, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. And so he quickly, I mean, he's in a hurry, because I think, Dan, I, I think Nebuchadnezzar, he's ready to, you know, chop off a head or pull someone's limb out. I don't know what's about to happen, but he quickly takes Daniel to the king and said, wait, wait, wait. I have found one of the captives from Judah who would tell the king the meaning of his dream. And I want you to picture this, because Daniel, remember, he's a young man. I want you to picture this young man who just graduated from high school, standing before the most powerful man in the world. And look what he said in verse 26. And the king said to Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was? and what it means. And Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven. Remember, this is the theme of Daniel. There, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, who reveals the mysteries. And, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. And I'm going to tell you your dream and the vision that you saw as you lay on your bed. And here's Nebuchadnezzar. Are you able to do this? Are you able? And Daniel said, no, 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 I'm not able. But there is a God in heaven who is able. He can do it. And so we see here, in the next uh, few verses, from uh, verse 31 to 45, Daniel, um, he tells the dream. He, he, he tells them what it means, and it talks about all that stuff. And, and we kind of pick up the story in verse number 46. In verse number 46, King Nebuchadnezzar, after he heard the dream and the interpretation, he threw himself down before Daniel. He worshiped him. And he commanded the people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. And I'm sure that was a very awkward moment for Daniel. He said, no, 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 it's not me. It's not me. And, and the king, he said to Daniel, truly, your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret. And the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. 
He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as the chief over all his wise men. And at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained stuck in the king's court. God has him here. It's not in the situation that Daniel ever thought it would be, but this is where God has him here. And, and, uh, and it's not clear yet why, but Daniel, he trusts God in this whole story. And so there's some lessons here I want to talk about and, and give us five quick lessons. You know, what do we do when there's nothing we can do? What do we do when we're stuck? And I want to look at the five quick lessons we can gather from this story, and I'm hoping that we can apply it to our situation and to your life today. Number one, if you're taking notes, we will often, oftentimes face impossible demands. We'll oftentimes face impossible demands. We'll face impossible demands, demands that are humanly impossible, humanly impossible. And that's what Daniel faced. He faced a very impossible situation. King said, tell me, what it, tell me what I dream and what it means. And, 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 and they said, man, that's impossible. And, and it was. It was impossible. And here's my question for you. Are you in an impossible situation? I think many of us can say, yeah, we're in an impossible, seems like a very impossible situation, right, with this pandemic. But maybe there's some other impossible situation that you're in. You're, you're going through an impossible situation in your marriage. Maybe it relates to your finances. Maybe it relates to your health. Maybe it relates to your relationship with, with your friends and family. Maybe it relates to some problems that you're just going through and, and you're facing some impossible situation. You, you can't figure, you're not sure how this week, this next week is gonna roll out. You're not sure what's gonna happen tomorrow and, and you're, you're, you're paralyzed. You know, you're, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And you feel stuck, and, and you're not sure what to do, and what to do when there's nothing you can do. You don't have the answer to that question. And I just need you to know that sometimes we will all face those kind of situations. Daniel did, and, and we see this all the time through Scripture. I want you to notice what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe that everything is possible with God? Because if you believe that, then when every time you see the word impossible, you're going to say, that is an opportunity for God to do something in me and through me that is humanly impossible with God. You never face something impossible. There's always hope with God. And that's the first idea that we learn from this story. We will face impossible situation. Number two, here's the second lesson. Difficult situations, it forces us to rely on God and God alone force us to rely on him. And this is what happened to Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, tell me what I dream. And, and that was 
impossible. But Daniel, what did he do? He ran to God to find strength from God alone and him alone. Uh, sometimes we hear people say, no, that, that God would never put more on you than you can bear. Have you ever heard that before? God would never put on you more than you can handle, more than you can bear. And my, my friend, that's not true. That's not a true statement. The Bible never says that. you never find anywhere in Scripture where the Bible said that God will never put more on you than you can handle. Sometimes God will allow you to carry such a heavy burden until you come to a point in your life that you can't handle it no more. And it forces you on your knees. It forces you to go to God and to depend on him, to trust him. Because as long as you can handle the problems, then we'll never go to God. And sometimes God puts stuff on us more than we can handle so that we can go to him, that we can take our impossible situation, to, to take it to the one who can, to take it to one that can make all things possible. We, we started first a couple weeks ago. I just want to read it again because I, I was reminded of, of this verse uh, in this situation, in this point here. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 10. This is the Apostle Paul. He was giving his testimony. He said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through the province of Asia. And, and he tells about a real dark time in his life. He said, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. I mean, we got to a place where there was more than we can handle. But as a result, we stop relying on ourselves, and we learn to rely only on God. It part that I started relying on God. I started stop relying on ourselves, and and I think many of us, you know, that that, that just maybe the pandemic has got you closer to God. Maybe the situation that you've been in, the difficult situation that had, had drawn you to a place of more reliant, uh, more reliant on who God is. Maybe you spend more time in the Word of God than you've ever been. Maybe you've been spending more time worshiping. Maybe you've been praying. I, I, I pray that you've been doing that because this is the time to do that. We should be all doing it all the time, and sometimes God takes us in a situation like this or whatever situation that might be so that we can be forced to rely on him. When Daniel faced this impossible situation, he didn't say, you know, I got this. No, I've got, I can handle this on my own. I don't, I don't need God. No. Daniel went to God. He depended on God. We'll take us to a third point, a third lesson. When you need wisdom, pray. When you need wisdom, we pray. And that's what Daniel did. He, he, he didn't get his friends together. They didn't have a little staff meeting. They didn't discuss some creative ideas. That, hey, what can we tell Dan, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar to make it sound like you know, his dream was uh, 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 feasible? Maybe some ideas so that we could kind of come together with some ideas and maybe save all of our lives. You know? They didn't do that. They got together, and, 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 and Daniel said, let's pray. 
let's pray. And they prayed. And they prayed. And, and, and he didn't just pray by himself. He got others to pray with him. And by the way, prayer should never be a last resort. It shouldn't be the last line of defense. It, it, it should be one of the first things we do. And when we face a problem, the first thing we should do is pray. To seek God for wisdom. Because oftentimes, the first thing we do, we try to solve it on our own. We try to figure it out on our own. We, 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 God, is, God is not in the picture yet. We're trying, to, we're trying to, to figure out how to come together with an answer. And then when we can't figure it out, when we can't solve it, we say, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. No. We should pray. That should be the first thing we do. When you face a problem, pray, and then God gives you wisdom to know what to do about it. And God gave Daniel wisdom. Here's the fourth lesson to learn in this. Praying in faith it always produces praise. It always produces praise. Daniel prayed, and then when God gave him the vision, uh, he, Daniel started praising God. He woke up that morning, and he started praising God. And the best time, the best time to thank God for the answer to your prayers is when you ask him, right after you ask him. That's the best time. You say, well, God hasn't quite answered my prayers. And that's, that's right. We should praise him. Don't wait until you see the visible evidence of your, of your answer prayers. Thank God in advance for the, for the answer prayers. And by the way, the answer prayer may not be what you think it is, but you say, God, I know you're in control. You know, whether it's my, what I'm praying for, or, or maybe your plan is better. Your plan are always better. I just know that you're in control, and I praise you, God. Thank you, because I know you're there. I know you're with me, and I know that you'll work through this impossible situation. I praise you, and that's what Daniel did. He haven't even seen the approval or the evidence, the solid evidence of his prayers yet. And that's faith. That's faith. And the Bible says if you don't pray in faith, you won't, you won't receive anything. And we find Daniel saying, God, tell me what the dream is. And, and he got the impression from God, the vision from God. And he started praising God. He said, Lord, thank you for answering this prayer before it was even proven. Even before the answer would be was proven. Now here's two quick thoughts here about prayer and praise. Praise without prayer is presumption. So if you if you praise God without praying, you're just being presumptuous. And so it, it matters that you pray. But here's the other thought. If you pray without praise, you're being ungrateful. That's ingratitude. It's a both matters. It, it's the, it's the two sides of the same coin, praise and prayer. I, I, you know, I know many of us are praying for wisdom. We're praying for God, what's the answer, what, what's next, what does it look like for my family, look, what does it look like for our, our, our health, and what does it look like for our economic and our, our finances. We're praying for all these things. But I also pray, I also hope that you're praising God too. This is the best time to praise God. 
It's when you're in the middle of the storm. And, and my friend, when you're praising God, you know who noticed? When you're praising God in the middle of the darkest time, those who don't know God, they're watching. They're watching us. They're watching us how we respond to this dark time, to an impossible situation. People are watching us, and our, uh, our voices are loud and clear when we are worshiping God. So praise, praise God. Praying in faith should always produce praise. And here's the last lesson from this chapter. Whatever you face, no matter what it is, remember there is a God in heaven and that he's able. Remember that there is a God in heaven. That's the theme of Daniel. We talked about that last week. There is a God in heaven and he is able. He, will, he is able to deliver you from whatever that might be. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us. He's working. See, God is working right now in your lives and my lives to accomplish infinitely, infinitely more than we might ask or think. I mean, he... He knows more about what we're thinking about already. He knows more than what we need. In our, in our feeble prayers, in our weak prayers that we go to God, God knows more about what we're trying to say. It's a glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And my friend, if you feel like you're at the end of your rope this morning, you feel like you're at the end of your ropes. God, he doesn't just say to hold on tighter. God says, I want you to let go. I want you to let go of the idea that you have to hold it all together and remember that he is able. My friend, some of you need to let go and trust God. He is able. And no matter what you face, there's a God in heaven. And when you say, I'm unable, God comes around and he says, but I am able. And at the end of your rope, he's there. And if you're watching this, and you say, Scott, I, I don't even know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. Is God able to come into my life? I mean, Scott, you don't understand where I've been. You don't understand what I've done. I've, I, I've mocked God. I've made fun of God in my past. But I've come to a place in my life right now. And I'm tired. And I've got nowhere else to turn. Will God, is he able? Will he want me? And I'm here to say yes. He is able. He is patiently waiting for you to come to him. All you have to do is just cry out to him and say, God, I need you. 
come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. And I want a relationship with a real God who is able, who can face impossible situations because everything, everything is possible with Him. And if that's you, in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And during that prayer, I'm going to invite you to pray wherever you're, wherever you're at, whether you're at home or whether you're outside or maybe you're out, out and about in your car and you're watching this, wherever you're at, you can cry out to God and He can come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. And if you're a follower of Christ, I know our faith has been shaken. We've been kind of talking about that. You feel stuck. I pray that in that moment, what to do when you don't know what you can do? Well, we can pray. We can worship. We can rely on God for everything. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your, for your word. We thank you that we can count on your word. Your word is true. And you are able because everything is possible with you. And God, I know that there are that there might be someone watching this video this morning. Or they might be watching it this week. I don't know, but God, you're, someone's watching. And they're there watching and wondering about who you are and that they can have a relationship with you. And, and, and if I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm gonna open my eyes just to you. I want you to look at me. Because I want you to know that God loves you and you matter to him. You matter. He sent his own son, his only son, to die on the cross for you. When, when Jesus was on the cross, your name was on his mind. You matter. And if you're like, God, I'd like to have a relationship with him. The Bible says all we have to do is cry out on the name of the Lord. And you can pray a prayer like this, right where you're at. You can pray it quietly where you're at. And you, can, you can pray it out loud, however you want to roll. You can pray a prayer like this. Say, dear God, I'm a sinner, and I don't deserve a relationship with you. In fact, I used to make fun of you. I mock your name. I, 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 I call out your name in vain. And, 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 and today, I'm surrendering my life. I'm coming to you, and I want you to know you, and I want you to know me, and I want a relationship. Forgive me my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord. I'll be my Savior. And if that's you, you pray that prayer. I'm so excited, and we want to celebrate with you. And for all of us who are followers of Christ, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you this week. God. We ask you to be with all of those who are followers of your word and followers of your son, Jesus. God, I know that sometimes we feel like we're stuck and we're facing impossible situations, whatever that might be. God, I pray that in this moment, in this week, that we will rely on you and you alone. Stop relying on ourselves. God, I pray that we will come to you for wisdom that we will pray 
and that we will praise your name. Even though we might not see the answer, we might not see the answer for a while. God, we know that you're at work and you're working in us and through us. And in an impossible situation that we might see, God, you see it as possible. And so we give it to you, God. In this moment, though we might be stuck, we know who's in control. And that there's a God in, who, there's a God in heaven who is able. In your name I pray. Amen.